church. So great to be with you today. For those of you that are joining us online, and maybe uh, what we're doing here is we, we have our live stream of our service. So because we went to three services last Sunday, we started last Sunday to do both, just so we can hit a, a little better time frame. And a few weeks ago, we had a problem with the NFL coming through uh, when I was speaking. Like in my pauses, they would start coming into our airwaves. And, uh, and so we are having that same problem at 9.15 this morning in the service. So just want you to know I'm not watching the football, <laughs> talking to you. It's not in my ear. There's nothing in there uh, all the way through. Uh, and neither is anybody on our tech team. Just in case that invasion happens, we're, we're trying to block out the NFL because, you know, whatever. Um, the Lions always suck, and so I don't really care. Uh, I'm from Michigan, and that's, that's my team, and so I just have zero expectations of them, and they meet that every year for me. <laughs> so I really don't care about the NFL. It's just what it is. It is, but it's just invading our space, and so we'll talk to them and tell them to back off a little bit if we need to. I'm sure they'll listen. Uh, anyway, just so everybody online understands what's happening, if you hear that, it's not anything we're doing, and we're working on it to try and fix that problem, just to, to be clear with you. And again, just saying thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be your pastor. What a privilege it is that Kim and I are able to be here and serve with you in this community. Um, it, it's, it's great. Uh, we're not a perfect church or perfect people. We're messed up people too. We're broken. But we recognize that Jesus is the answer to that brokenness. And that God is rebuilding us and he's making us who he wants us to be. And I'm so grateful for that. I was sharing with the, the congregation in 915 service that many years ago, uh, when we were back on the other property in Broadway, we this this is actually this Christmas Eve will be four years ago We received the keys to this property. It's crazy uh, that we've been here that long and stuff, but we were over on Broadway and um, It was a little small church and we did uh, three services there just to try and accommodate the little as we were growing and God was doing stuff but we had uh, a person in the church in the front and um uh, someone came to me on the side who was a leader in the church, and they had a group and stuff, and they said, you know, uh, that person in the front of the church is a distraction, and they're not a good representation, and you probably should move them from being in the front of the church, and some of the people that were sitting by the back door, uh, they said, you know, we should probably ask them to move, because they're not a good representation, and my family... Uh, doesn't want to invite people to come, their friends and stuff, because of, you know, those that don't fit. And um, so I was listening to him. So here's what I want to tell you all. This right here is that um, from a flesh human view, I could say, you know, what they were saying, there was truth to what they were saying in the sense of as human beings, we view people and we see some that aren't normal to us or don't like we're not comfortable around them. But I was offended that someone that was supposed to be a spiritual leader and their family would say, you need to move those people to the side because I'm not inviting friends and because they're, they make me uncomfortable. And so obviously I said, you know, that's, I'm not okay with what you're saying. And uh, yeah, no, that's not, I mean, that's, it's not about me. I was saying, like, you know, Jesus wants them here. Do you know that? That he wants them here, and we want them here. And, um, you know, we're not changing that. So if your family's uncomfortable, then I'm sorry for them. 
And of course, they left the church and their family didn't come and we're better off for that. But it wasn't just, I don't mean that wrong. You understand what I mean? Like, but, but uh, Jesus' heart, man, he, he was ridiculed because he would talk with the prostitute in the town. Because he would spend time with those that were the partying crowd. And the, the religious people came to him and said, what are you doing, man? What are you, you, you know, those are sinners. You're not who you say you are or think you are because you're over there dealing with those people. And you know what Jesus said is the doctor doesn't come to fix the healthy. He comes to heal the sick. And, and Jesus was here to reach out to the least of these and, and so I say that to you, church, because every week we make this statement, we are not a perfect church, we're not a perfect people, we're here because we know we need God's help. So there's broken people around you, but you're broken too. You may be more fixed than they are at this point in time in your life. Thank God for that, because he's done it, you haven't, and he's working in them. So we want to pray for one another, and I want everybody to understand this. Everybody and anybody is welcome in this church everybody and anybody, whatever walk of life you come from, wherever you come from. I also want you to understand we're going to preach the truth because God doesn't want you broken. He doesn't want you living in a messed up world. He wants to heal and fix you. And the truth of the gospel is something that is offensive when it is preached in truth because God says, I'm going to change you and you're not all right. Okay? And we as a church need to embrace the fact that I know I'm not okay, but God is, and God's going to change me, and he's changing me today. And that goes to every person in this room. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. God wants to change you. You have not arrived, and you need Jesus' help today. And so as we embrace that then, the church itself, we at Christian Faith Fellowship, want you to know, we want the world to know that God loves you, we love you, and we want to embrace you. We're not going to uh, uh, coddle you. I'm not going to be trying to make you, um, I'm going to love you, but I'm going to love you enough to tell you that God wants to do something amazing in your life, transforming you, and you're not, like, I'm not okay with where you are. I'm not. I don't care who you are. Come and talk to me after service. I'm not okay with where you are. God has something more for you. I'm not okay with where I am. I'm not okay with it. If I'm the same as I was yesterday, I'm jacked up, and I'm going to have problems tomorrow. I need Jesus right now to change me. From the 8 o'clock service through the 9.15 service to right now, I'm telling you right now that as God speaks his message through me, he's speaking a message to me, and he's changing me inside and to the point where I can tell you right now that I am so excited to bring you the message right now that I'm bringing you that I already know it's working and I have evidence of it, not only in myself, but in this church because we've already done it twice. It never comes out exactly the same. It's the same message. It's God's word, but I'm just telling you, it's going to be different, but it's amazing. And God is so, ex he's exciting. Anybody that thinks Christianity is boring, is they're just stupid and don't know what it means, you know? <laughs> If you want to have adventure and excitement in your life, become a Christian, man. It is not boring. It is not like just going along with the flow. You've got to fight your way through this stuff, and God is bigger than everything. And I don't care about your crowd or your posse or anybody else because they need Jesus, and let's just walk with him, man. Let's make it happen and let God do his thing. He's amazing.
we are called to radiate the love of Christ, and that's how we do that. We embrace people. We embrace them knowing that they're going to change, and so am I as a result of what God's doing. And so as we radiate that love, we are called by God to reach lost and saved people to restore them into the fully mature followers of Christ. Is anybody here fully mature? I saw a hand back there. Uh, You're just old. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I'm sorry. I love you. I don't know whose that hand was, but I still love you. I hope you love me. Forgive me. You have to. Jesus said so. All right. All right. So (laughs) did did you spend at least... Oh, Lord. I'm sorry. All right. Let's get on track here. You ready? Did you spend at least five minutes a day, five days last week, reading God's Word? Did you do that? You can listen to it, too. He's speaking it to you. He loves you. All right, did you share a God story with someone this week? Did you spend some time with him alone with no agenda, just letting God talk to you and just being with him? Did you do that? Good. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give? Ross talked about it, time, talent, resources. We're not just talking about money. You need to give God your resources, but you need to give him your time and talents, too. All of it is an all-in. It's the trifecta of God's amazing grace. And so get in, all-in. You in there? Amen. Thank you. God is good. Did you invite someone to church with you this week? We have some brand-new cards out there. The Come Join Us cards are printed. They're out at the Welcome Center out there in the lobby there. And uh, they have the correct times and dates of services and all that. So grab some of those on your way out. Today's the second Sunday of Advent. It's the Sunday of peace. God is amazing. We love him. He's led us through the two previous weeks through Nehemiah. No way would anybody plan to preach through Nehemiah for Christmas. I already know that. I didn't plan it. God did, and it's awesome, and I'm so excited. I love it. Nehemiah's one of my heroes of the Old Testament, and uh, I love him, and I think he's amazing for multiple reasons, but I want to reaffirm a couple things with you as we go forward in what God has for us today. Nehemiah was not a priest. He was not a prophet. He was not of the royal lineage. We don't even know what tribe he belonged to. We just know that he was a Jew. That's all we know. I say that to you, church, because of how critically important that is, that uh, he was just a guy who heard about a need, began to seek God about fixing that problem, meeting that need, and said, God, do it and use me to do it. I want you to know God wants to use you God wants to use you to meet a need, a huge need that is out there. And it's part of the brokenness of our world. And God is waiting for anyone. You don't have to be a pastor, clergy, priest. You don't have to be of royal blood. God's waiting for people to say, God, there's a problem. I see it. Help me. Let's do something about it. That's what Nehemiah did. He's amazing. And I love that. God opened the door right? He was praying. He saw the, heard about the need that was in Jerusalem. He's in a foreign land. He's praying, asking God to do something, use him, and he's knocking on the door, and we know he prayed for that six-month time period, waiting for God to open the door from this fall to the spring, saying, today, Lord, give me favor with this king. While he's doing that, he's praying and getting a plan put together, and um, he gets approval. We already preached this, so I'm not redoing. I'm just letting you know something as we go forward, because some of you, it's your first Sunday. So Nehemiah now has prayer backing, financial backing from the king. He's got notes saying, you can do this. He's got a military escort, and he comes back to town saying, here I am. And now he's there, and he's going to take a physical 
look at the brokenness. So far, it's just been all, you know, hearsay and stuff. So we already know this. He's ready to execute the plan. You read these last couple verses last Sunday, but I'm going to read them to you again. So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. That's awesome stuff right there, church. I'm going to keep reading, but I had to stop there because you see all that time that Nehemiah was praying from uh, from fall to spring. And as he's seeking God for a plan, he knew that the plan he wrote down in his napkin was something God put in his heart. It wasn't something he dreamed up. It was something he put together, but he knew God put it there. And now he didn't just come announcing, I'm here to save Jerusalem. He silently came, assessed the situation, and he's looking at stuff. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate past the jackal's well and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went down to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. Here's the the thing that, I'm going to read that next verse or the last half of that verse, but did you get this right here where he just said, God put a plan in my heart and now he's owning God's plan. I hadn't shared my plan. I own this. God's doing it. It's God's plan, but it's my plan. I'm owning God's plan and it's about to happen. Here he goes. You ready? I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. I'd known, not told anyone. So before he shares his vision, he not only has this plan, and he has all that backing in history, now he's done a physical assessment of the property, and he's looked everything over. Now it's no longer a a, a napkin vision, not just a dream in his mind, not just a plan, but now he's looking at his plan, his napkin, his vision, his prayers, and now he's seeing it for himself in the physical world. And he sees this thing, and now he's about to launch it. So here's where reality comes in. I am about to bring the vision and the dream into reality, so what's the next step? He brings his... I have a dream speech to the people. That's what he's doing. This is what it says right there in chapter 2, right here in verse 17. This is I'm just continuing reading right here. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. I'm not reading any further yet, because this is the moment of truth, and what he just stated to them was, we're all jacked up. We know we're jacked up. We know there's issues all around us, right? Listen, church, I can sit here and tell you, and I have, and I did last week and the week before, and I am today. We can look at Tucson. Government's messed up. Judicial system's messed up. School system's messed up. Financial system's messed up. Family homes are messed up. There's brokenness. And I can just sit here and tell you about all the brokenness and that God's the answer. And we as a church can say, amen, yes, he is. And we can clap our hands and say, that's truth. Here's exactly what Nehemiah was doing. Nehemiah stands up there and said, hey, we're in ruins. Everything's messed up. He's not telling them something they didn't already know. They've been living with it for 75 years. 
We know the history. Cyrus said, you're free. Go back and do something. They came back and they built the temple in their own homes. And eh, that's good enough. And 75 years now, they've been living in brokenness. And so Nehemiah is saying, hey, look around you. This is not okay. See what's right there in front of your face. It's messed up. It's broken. We've got to do something. Look at this mess. Here comes the great speech. Are you ready for this? I have a dream speech from Nehemiah. Here he goes. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. That's it. Amen. <laughs> you already know what needs to be done. Let's do something about it. That's what he said. We already know the answer. It's Jesus. The problems of Tucson are found in Jesus being the answer. We know that. Look around you. Look in the mirror. Look at your own life. Come on. We're the church. We're the redeemed. We're the ones that know. And yet we look around and everything's broken and we're just like, uh-huh. Yep, it's a mess. Somebody ought to do something about it. God, do something about this mess. Change it. Can't stand this place. I don't like what's going on over there. I don't like what's going on over there. God, do something. Nehemiah's like, God, do something. Help me. Now Nehemiah takes that same message. He's not just saying something to people. He's owned this message, right? He's not only prayed about this. They don't know that. He's already prayed about all this. He's already got sanctions from the king. He's already got a treasury they don't know about. He's got letters of promise. Church, if you don't know what I'm talking about, read back there in Nehemiah 1 and 2. He comes to the king and says, here's the problem. King says, go do it. He's like, hey, king, can you pay for it? Yes, I will. Here's a letter. Here's some escorts. Go on, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to financially support you. I'm going to provide the lumber and the materials you need. I'm giving you everything you need to get the work done. Church, are we hearing anything here? Come on, we're called that the Bible. God's given us the gospel, the good news of the word, the, the thing that's going to heal and change our society, the brokenness of Tucson. God has already given us. He said, I got all the resources. I've got all that you need. I'm giving you letters. I'm protecting you. Go do something. And the church is like, yeah, God, do it. Come on, God, do it. Nehemiah's like, let's do it. Come on. Let's do something about the mess. Let's not walk around it. Let's not talk about it. Let's rebuild this wall. Then Nehemiah says, hey, guys, this isn't just like, uh, let's go do this rah, rah, rah speech. He said, I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began to do the good work. I heard a couple of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm letting you know, I got a letter from the king, and he told us to do something. Amen. And I'm asking you, church, will you hear me? This is not Dave's, I have a dream. This is God's, I have a dream. And Jesus Christ came and he died for Tucson. That's how much he's in. He's all in. He's committed. And he's asking us if we'll do the same thing. Step all in, man. So they began the, the good work, man. Everybody loves a, 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 a I have a dream speech. You know, everybody does. 
And, and it starts in, <laughs> the enemy hears it too. I just want you to know, he hears it too. And the very next verse says this, but when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab heard of their plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are they doing? Are you rebelling against the king? You know, like, here's the I have a dream speech. This is the excitement. Let's make this happen. And the enemy's like, really? What are you going to do? All right, again, can I, I just want to point out to you that what they're saying here has some um, outside viewing in tangible evidence. It could appear that Nehemiah was trying to build up the walls of the city to reestablish Jerusalem and him be the king. It could appear that way to the outside world, right? When the enemy comes, he can bring in a shred of truth. But it doesn't mean it's truth. And, and it can appear certain ways to certain people. Who cares? Nehemiah knew who he was doing this for, why he was doing it, and what he was about. And so what I love about this is two things. It's the same voices of negative condemnation that are present in the very first time that he crosses the border to come here. It's the same voices that keep growing. And there's a team of people building out there in opposition to what God's doing in here. I'm talking about in the scripture right there, right? And they're using the same weapon against them. They're running their mouth. That's it. Talking negatively, critically, trying to downplay what God's doing. Those voices are out there, you know. They're in your life. You need to identify the negative voices in your life that speak against what God is doing. And you need to reject those voices because they are not of God and they are not truth. And God knows truth and you know truth. And so step into God's truth and don't give an audience to the yapping enemy. Amen. All right, church? All right, here's what he does. Nehemiah hears this coming against him, and this is what he says in verse 20. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, no legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. You know what he told them? Hit the road. You have no place here. This is God's work. God's doing it. He's doing it here. He's doing it now, and you're not part of it, so get out. I'm just saying, there's a lot of you that need to share that message with a few people in your life. You hear me, church? You need to share that message with a few people in your life who are talking the crap to you, who are always talking against what God's doing, who are trying to bring you back into that brokenness and keep you down. You need to tell them to hit the road. I don't care who they are. All right, you need to own what God is saying to you, and God is saying, I have freedom, I have restoration. I have a plan, and I'm going to do something with you and through you. You need to embrace that, man. God loves you. He's amazing. <clears throat> so the congregation that starts this work ignores the voices of discouragement, and then the vision begins to flesh out in chapter 3. So it's pretty cool. When you step back and look at this, it's like there was this moment over there in the Persian Empire where Nehemiah gets this plan on a napkin. I'm just throwing that in there for us. Like he's got an idea. He's praying. He's talking to God about it. He's saying, God, make a way. King opens the door. Now it's like, ooh, plan's starting to move. Now I've got some finances behind me. I've got some, some stuff happening, and I'm moving. Now he's physically on the site. Now he's embraced the people. He shared the vision. The people are catching the vision. They're like, yeah, let's make it happen. Like I said, everybody's enthusiastic on the front, right? Let's do this. So now 
Nehemiah unleashes the plan, and it's like, this is not any great, amazing revelation. You know what he did? He's like, hey, everybody, you go home by where you live and start building the wall in front of your place. <laughs> when you read in chapter 3, it'll go, the whole chapter's like this. It's like, and this, this group of people built this section of the wall. This group of people built this section of the wall. This family did this part. This family did this part. That's what the whole chapter is. So all they had to do was, see, what happens is we see the big vision, like the whole wall needs to get built, and we're like, whoa, can't handle it. Nehemiah says, like, can you just go pick up the rock by your front door? Just pick it up. Pick that rock up. Carry it over and put it on top of another one. Come back and pick up another one. And if everybody starts doing this, we're going to have a wall. <laughs> right? Come on, man. Each one. Reach one. Teach one. It's that simple. And you just pick up a rock, man. God is awesome, isn't he? I think God's amazing. I love it because when I don't, I've never, I'm, I've been a pastor for over 30 years. I know I don't look like it. I started when I was 10. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't really, I'm 56. Anyway, so I've been a pastor for over 30 years and I have never had a goal vision thing like that that I know of that I've ever shared with the church. And it was like something totally new to me when God spoke it to me over a month ago and I started saying something to you. I said, here's our goal for 2019. Don't know why I'm telling you it's 2018 and it's November, but here we go. I guess because I don't know what I'm doing, and it's like news to me, so here it is. Okay, so why am I saying that to you? Because I'm looking, and I'm like, God, it's so cool that I didn't even know we were going to Nehemiah when you did this, and look at how it fits so perfectly about what you're saying to us about what you want to do in just a simple little statement. It's awesome. Anyway, we'll leave that alone. It's all God. I just want you to know it is all God, not Dave, and I love that. It needs to be. So here we are in the middle of this third chapter. Everybody's building their own sections. I, I'm going to read one verse out of that, verse number five, because I think it's hilarious. And Nehemiah wrote this because I think probably it was a little source of frustration with him. And this happens in the church as well, so I'm going to read it to you. Next were the people from Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. <laughs> you know... There's always somebody in the crowd, man. There is. There's just always somebody that doesn't want to work with someone else, isn't there? I mean, it's like, we got this great project. It's a great vision. It's a dream. Everybody wants the dream to happen. But, you know, these guys are morons, and I don't want to work with them. You know? I mean, that's, you know that's true. And he writes about it. It's right here in the Bible. Like, yeah, you know what? We're doing our part, but we just don't want to do it with you. That's all. We'll do our part. Just don't let them come over here and talk to me. All right, can you get over yourself? It's not about you. All right, it is not about you. It's about the kingdom of God and what he wants to do. So stop saying, like, I want to serve Jesus, but I just don't want to serve him in that church or that community or with those people. I'm going to sit over there because they're over there. And, oh, God, help me. I want to do your work, God, but, you know. I mean, that's what we're seeing right here in the word of God. He's like, come on. We got a dream and a vision, and we got a bigger purpose. It's about the kingdom. It's about all of this. Yeah, but I don't like them. Good Lord, help us. The vision and dream was taking place, right? What was being broken was being rebuilt piece by piece. It's starting to happen. So the wall and this whole thing, you know, they're like, oh, wow. This is like for 75 years we've lived in this brokenness, and this guy just says pick up a rock, and now it's starting to get fixed. <laughs> Amazing. Isn't it crazy what we live with? And we don't have to. 
And, and all it takes is for one step of obedience. And God wants to do something. He's trying to build something in your life. And we're like, yeah, but it's like overwhelming. I'm not there. I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. Stop saying that to me. I'm telling you. Stop telling me you're not perfect. I never asked you. God loves you. And he's not done with you. Stop using that as an excuse and pick up the rock he's talking to you about. Amen. All right. That's what we're talking about. Don't worry about what everybody else isn't doing. Do what you're supposed to do. Just build your part of the wall for Pete's sakes. Just do it. Do it. Okay. So, yeah. Relax and let's go to the, where we're supposed to go. Ready? Often when we see the big picture, discouragement can set in. Think we can't do it. We can't accomplish it. But when we simply step back and allow God to help you do our part, just do our small part, then the bigger picture starts to come together. The whole begins to be seen by me doing my little part. And so as we look at what God's doing here in the scriptures, we're going we're gonna to continue moving and just say this to you. The vision is beginning. The vision is beginning. It's starting to happen. The work has started. And so we step into chapter 4, and this is what it says. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from the rubbish heap and the charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. You know, it's crazy, but as, as things start to happen and God's moving, the enemy doesn't shut up. He increases his volume. And he, and he comes in opposition. And if you notice when we're talking about this, you see some other people are starting to be involved in the opposition, right? And he's talking about army officers being there. Now there's a threat. Now there's more of a threat. It's not just guys talking. Now there's members of an opposing army present that are engaging in what is going on, mocking, challenging the vision, bringing forth another negative message. So what does Nehemiah do? What he always does. Then I prayed. <laughs> this guy's amazing. And this is why he's amazing. Because he prayed. He talked to God about everything. Then I prayed, Hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. That's a powerful prayer. <laughs> Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. Hey, God, this opposing voice is against what you're trying to accomplish you, you, please notice how he's praying he's saying god take out any and all who are opposing what you're trying to do there's nothing wrong with that prayer church Amen. we need to pray that prayer you god in the name of jesus remove all obstacles for your glory and your purpose and your plan to come into being that includes me and all of us god if we're a hindrance, remove us. If they're a hindrance, remove them. God, let us see your work happen 
So here's the deal. The discouraging words of the enemy are met with prayer again. We keep reading here in verse 6. At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard it, you see how that group's growing? The negative word grows too. You don't have to worry about it. They're going to keep talking. They are going to keep talking. And there's going to be more and more of them talking about what's not happening. Obviously, something's happening, right? If the enemy's talking and he's trying to bring you down, that means God's doing something. I tell people when they come up here to ask Jesus to come into their heart, I tell you the first thing that's going to happen when you walk out of this building is the enemy's going to say, nothing's changed. And I tell them, if you hear that voice, you know you've changed. Because if you didn't, he would let you believe a lie. Right? Just think about it. He would let you believe a lie, but he's trying to put a negative message in you to doubt what God's doing. And so therefore, we already know he's wrong. He's a liar, and his word doesn't mean anything. God's truth is God's truth. I don't care how many of them are talking. God's truth is God's truth. The enemy heard. The enemy heard that the work was happening. I want the enemy to know something's happening in Tucson. I want them to hear rumors that God's at work. Something's happening. Stones are coming together. Man, that's what I want them to hear about. God's doing it, man. See, we don't have to talk about it. Let God do it. And when God does it, they'll talk. Yeah, here you go. Anyway, they heard about it. It was going ahead. And the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired. They were furious. Oh, that's awesome. I want the devil to be so ticked off at me. I do. I mean, I want to make him mad every day. I, I want Jesus to be excited and to be able to rub his nose in it. When he's like he did for Job, he's like, hey, to check out Job, is he a, a, a righteous dude or what? I want him to be able to say that about me. I want him to tell the devil, did you see Dave down there? He's my boy. He's doing it, man. He's all over your stuff. That's what I want, all right? And we look in the scriptures, and it's like, this is what's happening. This, is, this has been in ruins for way too long. And, and people have accepted the brokenness, and they just, like, function in their opposed, supposed freedom. But they're not free. They're not living in the fullness of it. You know how many of us are doing that? This is the way they're existing, so the enemy made a plan to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. So what did we do? We prayed. We prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Oh, I love that. Hey, God, we need your help. Where's my sword? <laughs> That's exactly what he did. Like, if you notice something about Nehemiah, He's not just waiting for supernatural stuff to always intervene, like, hey, God, show up. Like, He's like, God, show up. I know you will. Here's my sword. I'm ready. Send me in. Right? Putting action to the words and, and, and action to the faith. They weren't an army. Remember, these are broken people. They couldn't stand against the, the, the armies of these foreign lands, but they took their swords anyway. And they were letting the enemy know, like, hey, no, we're not going to be run over anymore. This ties into the vision. We've been your whooping boys for way too long. We will not be any longer. We recognize that we have weapons and strength, 
and that our God reigns supreme and we're owning it. And we want the enemy to know we're owning it. This is what he's doing, and this is what Nehemiah is saying. He's saying, guard yourselves, put on your sword, take a stand, stop being defeated. Stop living in your brokenness. Man, God is awesome, isn't he? So let's let's just revisit something before we go on, and I don't know what time we're supposed to be out of here, but it'll be soon, okay? I promise you. (laughs) I want to revisit verse 6 because it's all, it's just, I love it. This is Nehemiah. At last, the, ho- the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city. So the people had to work with enthusiasm. I love his wording. I love what he says. The wall was completed to half. <laughs> That's the message of a visionary. That's the voice of an optimist. He's saying, I see this. See, what he was already seeing in his mind, it's halfway there, but it's completed. It's there, man. It's there. It's halfway there. We're almost. Man, we're doing this thing. It's happening. He's all jazzed up. He's like, man, this is awesome. I wrote it on a napkin, and now I'm seeing it. It's happening. God, you're awesome. The thing is, a vision is work. Please, church, hear me. A vision, a dream is work. So it means that the people were getting calluses, cuts. Their bones were aching. Their muscles were sore. Because, you know, when they first started, they're like, yeah, I can do that, that rock. Yeah, I just got to roll it a few feet. There it is. Next one, I just got to pop it up a little bit. Now it's this high. Now I get up in the morning, there's still a whole bunch of debris. And what the enemy was saying was true. There's still burnt rocks. You're just like, you're working with brokenness. And they're like, yeah, I'm working with brokenness. And so now it's, my body's sore. I'm tired. And I got to pick this rock up. But it's not like... It's all the way up there, and I got to put it up there. And I got to go all the way to that ceiling? Oh, wow. You know, when I started, I was, like, excited about that, but my enthusiasm's like, whoa. <laughs> it's, it's tough sometimes, isn't it? I, I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes it gets tough, and our bodies hurt. And you know what happens when we're like that? We hear the, the discouraging negative voice. And, and this, is, this is Nehemiah's voice. We're halfway there, yeah. The enemy's like, yeah, look what you're doing. <laughs> and the very next verse, church, hear it. Then the people of Judah began to complain. <sighs> Whose word did they own? Whose word did they own? Somehow they disconnected with the, the voice and the vision of God. And now their voices are chiming in with the voice of opposition. And they start to complain. The workers are getting tired. There's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Okay, just, just a second now. Just pause here for just a moment and look at what they just said. I'm tired. There's still a lot of crap around me. I don't like it. I'm never going to finish this wall. They took their eyes off what they were asked to do. That's all. And they stepped back and they looked at all of that needed to be done. And they were like, man, I am tired. And that, that out there, that is overwhelming. I'm like, ooh, can't do it. You know what? God knows we can't do it. That's why he only asks us to do the one thing. 
That's all, church. See, Jesus died to save Tucson. We don't have to. We just have to save one. That's all. And so when we focus on what God's asked us to do and we do what God's asked us to do, the whole comes together. But as we look at this and they hear the negative voices, the complaining, and they're tired and they're hurting and they're disgusted and they're, they're, they're frustrated and now they're like discouraged in the work and this is right where so many people's dreams die. I mean, so many visions die right here. It's like it starts to happen and everybody's excited at the beginning. It's like you cast a vision like, yeah, 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 let's do this, yeah. And, and things start to happen and then all of a sudden we get in the midstream and now it's work. I don't like the work. Can we hire somebody to do this? <laughs> Can we get somebody to help us? No, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. Well, we start to see like things are impossible, even though change has already happened. Change is happening. We instead get discouraged. And some of us begin to live in that brokenness again. And we, we'd rather say, well, we're not who we were. And we're not. But we're not there yet. And we kind of pause. And God's doing something. And it's evident. There's evidence. Church, there's evidence that God is doing something. But he's not done. And it's not over. We're not finished. Discouraging words of the enemy began to take residence. Some of us have heard that. Some of us have heard that. Do you know how many people begin the Recovery Life Program? You all know this. Those of you that are from the mission and those of you that have done other things to get free from that stuff, you know that, man. You, you, so, some of you have restarted several times. And, and when we're going, and it's like, you can't do this. You'll never make it. You're not going to, yeah, yeah, you know, all that. Man, when we look at this, it's like, why do we get like halfway and say this is enough? God's not done. I want everybody in this room to understand God's not done. We are just starting. We're just moving in that direction. God is building something significant. And I want to see it through. I am not going to let the enemy discourage me and what God's called me to do. And I want to make it happen for him. People are going to talk. You remember when we were talking about this a few weeks ago, and we were saying, like, we're going to start three services, and, and um, I said, I, well, I want to do five. In my mind already, I, I'm looking at the next step and the next step, and we haven't got any of this functioning yet, the second, the third. I mean, it's working, you know what I mean, but we're not, like, there yet, obviously. But as we function as a church and as things go, we can't be like, yeah, man, we're doing it now. We've got this many people, this many services. If we're going to make Tucson different because God's called us to make it different, then when does that end? When Tucson's different. When there's no one left to save. When there's people that are, are having their needs met in our community. When, when the Lord Jesus Christ is known throughout this place. Right? That's when the work's done. We're not building an empire to us. You're going to be the king? No. We're not building an empire to anybody except to God. All right, so get over that and just let people talk. Who cares what they think? Let's see what God wants to do and let's put it into action and then watch God make it happen because it's going to be all God doing it. But he's going to do it through us. I want you to know, as your pastor, I put my sword on. I'm picking up rocks. I'm in. I'm in. I'm saying, God, 
do this, man. I am not going to let the enemy run rampant over Tucson when you die to save it. And that includes the people in my home, my community, my city, my state, my country, my world. God's that big. He is. (laughs) Okay. You guys, I love you. Yeah. So, I'm just going to ask you if you're ready. Have you heard God's call in your life? Have you responded to Jesus? If you responded to Jesus, I want you to know he planted a seed in you, and he has a plan. And it's not done. It's not done. He's working on that plan in you, and he wants to work through you, and he wants to accomplish great things. You know, um, man, you guys are in trouble because there's nobody behind you. The other services know I have to stop. I am stopping, I promise. Keep laughing, right? Yeah. Dear Jesus, help him. Anyway, no, I want you to hear me because, like, God's... A lot of people come and say, you know, God, I know God has a great plan for my life, and he's going to do great things. And every time I hear that, I'm not saying he doesn't. He does. But, like, we're waiting for the supernatural phenomenon to happen. We're waiting for the mystical mist to come from heaven and the, the angel to appear and everybody to be like, oh... He's arrived. And I want you to know that God's great plan for your life is to pick up the rock in front of you. It may not look all that great in the moment, and nobody's going to blow the trumpets and say, way to go, man. You picked up that rock. But God knows. Okay, so if you want great things to happen in your life, and you want the great things of God to actually come about, pick up the rock. Bend over and pick up the rock. Get some calluses on your hands. Okay, that's how it works. Okay, so since we're already blown through all this and I'm already messed up, I, I just want to encourage you to re-engage God and restart the vision that he has in your life, okay? Um, if, you've, if you don't know Jesus or maybe you've, you've allowed the discouraging words of the enemy to stop you from progressing, well, it's time to re-engage. You're not who you were. God's not done with you. So before we started this whole thing about talking about Nehemiah. I am done, by the way. Uh, But before we started, and I kept talking, that's the pastor's end, you know. In conclusion, 20 minutes will be done. Um, When this all started, I was reading Nehemiah, and I said a little joke to my wife, and I was reading about that chapter three, where they're talking about who built what wall. And, um, And somebody built the dung wall and the dung gate. That's just a nice way of saying, you know, the, the crap, you know. Because they didn't have indoor plumbing systems, there was a section. Everybody had to bring that out of the, the city, right? It's important to get that out of there, right? So there was the, the gate, and there was a wall, and they called that wall that, right? So somebody was supposed to build that, too. How would you like, like, I want to do a great thing for God. Okay, go build the dung wall. <laughs> Me and my family, we're going to hang my name there. Yeah, <laughs> We built the crap wall down. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you noticed, but that's what we did. We... <laughs> My name's attributed to that. <laughs> so she was like, you're not going to preach that, are you? I was like, nah, I'm just going to talk about it anyway. But anyway, so, <laughs> so, so I, I'm telling you this for a reason. There is a point of all this. I'm not just telling it. But, but you know, a lot of times as we, we go through life and as we get a little older, um, sometimes us in the church, we view doing children's ministry and working with youth like that. Right? 
We do. We're like, oh, I've done my time. I carried more than my amount of buckets out of that. I am done with that. I just want to challenge you, man. It's like, are you all in or what? Are you all in or what? I mean, are you willing to do whatever God asks you to do? And do it for his glory and his purpose? Somebody's got to do it. It it wouldn't have done no good if they built all the walls and left that one open. Somebody's got to do it. And it's like, no, but we want, we want to do the, the opening, the, the gateway to the temple. That's what I want to build. Yeah. Give me some of that gold, man. I don't want to have uh, there, you know. Church, I mean, the God's saying, like, are you mine? Are we doing this or what? Because some of it's tough. Some of it's not that exciting. Some of it's difficult. It's going to make you uncomfortable at times. It's not going to be all glory. But it's God's work, and so it is. So we got to be all in. Let's do it, okay? So anybody need to just come to the altar to recommit their life to Christ, to recatch the vision, to embrace him, to shut down the voices that the enemy's trying to stop you with? Then just come on, stand up and just come to him. Come to him and let him rebirth the vision in your life. Let him do it. He loves you. Come on. You don't have to wait for other people and stuff. Just come. Let him rebirth the vision in your life. Don't listen to the enemy. He's a liar. More than ever, he's running his mouth right now. You don't need to do that. You're okay. You can do that later. Nobody needs to see you. Going up there doesn't... You hear him? Recognize that voice. That's the liar. Dismiss him. If God's calling you, respond to him. He loves you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for every one of you coming forward. God loves you. He loves you. He is not done. He is not done. Thank you, God, that you're not done. (laughs) God, you're not asking us for monumental tasks. Everybody here, I just want you to know, I want to encourage you. All he's asking you to do today is just pick up that one rock he's talking to you about. That's it. Just pick up that one rock. That's what you're doing when you come forward. You ready? He loves you. He loves you. (laughs) Lord, we present ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. God, we're saying to you right now, we're all in. I'm all in, God. I'm yours. I'm not okay with the city like it is. I'm not okay with the church like it is. I'm not okay with families like they are. I'm not okay with where I am. Not okay, Lord. Let's go. We're not even there yet. We're not even halfway, God. But we're on our way. And today, God, we pick up that rock in front of us and we put it on the wall. And we want that, mar- that place marked right here, right now, today, that, God, you're doing something. You're on the move and we're embracing you. For your glory, God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. You're awesome. I love you all. You're amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Isn't he amazing? We love you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Now, I know you guys got to get out of here because I held you a while, but you're out. Get. Have a good one.